the baby boomers led waves of dramatic culture changes. Their voices raise awareness of consumerism, retirement programs, higher education, health care, and civil rights transformations. Now, the baby boomers have reached an age where it is our turn to give back to them for their voices, their struggles, and their footprint on the society we benefit from today. Boomer Living Podcast is dedicated to the support and the enhancement of senior living and the baby boomers' needs and demands. We welcome conversations between caregivers, providers, gerontologists, geriatricians, neurologists, technologists, developers, and operators with one objective to serve our baby boomers. By bringing together these experts and the baby boomers' families, we can share our knowledge that will educate and inspire others on how to care for the baby boomers. We're a social platform that focuses on the respect and care of this aging population that gave their youth and their wisdom to the society we benefit from today. Hello, Chris. Hi there, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much to be on Boomer Living today to share about your work and your background and your passion towards dementia care. So can you first tell us a little bit about your background, who you are, what you're working on, or what you've been working on over the years for the older adults, and what made you so passionate about dementia care in the first place? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, Han. I've been in professional recruiting or the talent access space with Westport One for more than 23 years. And during our time in working with senior living organizations, helping them to find the best talent for their leadership roles, I've had the privilege of hearing so many of the stories from these leaders about the residents that they've cared for. They've told us some heartbreaking stories about the deterioration of life of those with dementia, primarily Alzheimer's. And it really broke my heart. But they've also told us some of the amazing things that have been done to help improve their quality of life during their time with us. There's an executive director in Seattle who now I consider to be a friend, who actually wrote a book about her experiences with her grandparents in dealing with dementia, and it really opened my eyes. From the years of doing this and the the success that we've had working with these organizations to find the leaders, I wanted to learn more and more about dementia care specifically that quality of life side. While doing so, parallel to my background is I wanted to be able to do something about it because I have always been in a position where I want to do something. So I wanted to do this not just from a research standpoint. Helping on the research side is vital, but I wanted to do about the quality of life. Programs like musicandmemory.org, Or last week, you had Natasha on talking about dance therapy and and dementia care. Those are just amazing things that are about helping the now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. So what specifically gets you excited about the recruiting side of senior living industry? Recruiting in general has two amazing components. Is We help companies grow and we directly impact people's lives. Now you add to the component of senior living to that space. And you really get the trifecta. We are helping senior living organizations grow and fill the critical roles, those leadership roles within the community at their regional and their executive level that help the residents. We're able to help change somebody's life and put them in a situation that challenges them more, gives them more life satisfaction. And then that third trifecta is by doing those two things, we're helping those residents. 
We're helping those that have decided to go into a senior living organization and live the, the remainder of their life, whether it be independent living, assisted living, memory care, or a life plan community. And we're able to put the individuals within those communities that have that ad- direct impact on them. And that's just really heartwarming to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it really is. You're helping folks uh, make that transition as seamless as possible because this is the new life now. They're leaving right. a lot. They're leaving perhaps 60, 70 plus years of their life, um, their home, their gosh, and the heritage that they've accumulated over the years. And mm-hmm. now finding a new home and, and making that transition is very difficult. And thank you for that. And the stories they have are utterly amazing. Mm -hmm. And the part with dementia is they lose some of those stories. So as much as can be done to help them recapture those stories is just really worth it. There's an impact. Yeah, yeah. I I agree with you wholeheartedly. We're going to talk about the dementia and the impact of that and what you're doing, perhaps maybe a little bit later on. It's so important. and, And thank you so much for doing that. So now, um, back to the recruit. Now, mm-hmm. do you recruit for both the frontline workers as well as the leadership positions? And how does that recruiting strategy change based on the level of employee that you're recruiting? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there are recruiting firms that are specialists in a variety of areas. Our firm, our specialty is at the community leadership, whether it be the executive director, administrator, uh, director of nursing and the varying titles that are included there, the sales leaders, potentially going into the dining or culinary directing uh, directors, business office directors, maintenance directors. So we work from that community level on up to the regional leadership and to the executive leadership at the headquarters. Our specialty is not at the caregiver level. It's purely at that leadership level on up. So what have you found to be effective in the hiring processes for the senior living industry? A couple things. One is, and it really is the most paramount, and that's an effective hiring process. When you are looking for the right talent, the process will dictate whether you either attract somebody or whether you detract somebody. Mm-hmm. There's been far too many situations where companies, whether we're working with them or not, but we've heard the stories where they have had a process that will go on for four, six, eight, twelve 12 weeks long. And very few top-level individuals will stay in a process that long. So one of the best practices is having a very fine-tuned, efficient hiring process. Our experience has been between 8 and 10 days. And in 8 and 10 days, you can actually have a very effective process, not removing any step of any kind. Entire team bought into the urgency that's needed to keep the best talent attracted. So are these processes very different from recruiting from another industry or from other industries? The process isn't really different with a couple exceptions. And one is the number of people that are involved in the interviewing process. And other organizations within our practice at Westport One, we have other specialties such as IT, financial services, trust and wealth management, among construction and uh, engineering and insurance. And every sector, you're going to have the decision makers involved in the interviews. You may have um, one level below also involved in that. But in senior living, the one unique aspect that we've identified over our time is that multiple people are involved. So if it's a director of sales or a director of nursing, the executive director is usually the initial interview. Then it goes to a regional level. Then many times it goes to the executive level, whether it be the president, the EVP, or the founder of the organization. 
And because of the unique dynamic of senior living, having the owner operator and the managed services side, many times the investor will get involved uh, with interviewing that community leader to ensure that this is the right person that they want having in front of their investment. That is pretty unique, um, specifically to senior living. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do you think it takes something special to be a good talent fit for the senior living industry? Uh, absolutely. And the biggest thing is compassion. If you are not compassionate, if you are just looking for a job, senior living is not the right field for you. It may be a short-term thing. We've seen many people go into the field where it turns into what we call a stopgap role, where or they go in and they want to give it a try. But without that compassion, they're never going to succeed and they're never going to be long-term. With the couple rare exceptions, very few people come out of college unless they're getting their degree in gerontology, where they've determined that senior living is the path that they want to go into. Many come into it from a variety of other industries, whether it be hospitality, whether it be operations. We've seen incredible examples of people coming out of technology, coming into senior living. And the single most important thing that they all have is compassion. Absolutely. I think that's one unique skill set that you must have to be in this industry and to really be passionate and having a heart to serve the older adults. Because mm-hmm. I think ultimately, you're, you're touching someone, obviously not nowadays, but you're, you're, touching, <laughs> you're touching someone not physically to serve them, but also it takes a special heart to reach out and relate to folks. So you, it's not just another resident, like an apartment, for instance. Absolutely not. So it does take a special person, skill set, and a heart to be effective in this industry. I believe it really that. does. Yeah. So what are the most important qualities that you look when scouting top-tier talent other than the heart to serve and compassion? What are some of the actual tangible skill set that you look for? It, it, of course, depends upon the role. As an example, for an executive director, things that matter most to the the organizations that we work with is, are they a leader out with the people? Are they not behind the desk and running and leading by numbers, but they are out of their office, they're on the floor, they're with the residents. So we really want to hear examples of how they lead by doing uh, that, so that's really critical. Of course, they have to have some of the rudimentary basics. They have to be able to understand a P&L and understand um, how to manage a budget, how to manage people and how to coach up or coach out the wrong individuals. Those are critical components. But it's really critical that they are out there with the residents and they want to be with them. From the sales standpoint, it's critical for them to be a salesperson, but be a salesperson with ethics. Mm-hmm. Sales is an industry that you could have a, a variety of intents. If your sole purpose is just to make the, the buck as quick as you can, rarely you're, are you ever going to be long for senior living. You might have been able to fool somebody to get into the job, but you're rarely going to be long. But the components of sales still matter. You have to be able to listen to understand what is either the family member or the individual themselves looking for and needing to see in the organization. Can you satisfy and solve that? If not, do you have a partner that could? Another traditional form of sales is the ability to present. If you don't present effectively, the person you're presenting, you're talking to, whether that be the family member or the individual themselves or the, the caseworker at the hospital or the fire chief at the fire department, if you can't explain 
why your community is the potentially right one for the individuals that they come across, you won't get any referrals. Yeah. Relationship, trust, yeah. Um, credibility, and really your value that you're adding to your local community is everything. That's right. So, yeah. So as a recruiter, mm-hmm. how can you tell um, an effective story about your senior living organization to attract talent? That storytelling is such a difference maker. Uh, go on, go online and look at an ad for a typical senior living organization. Nine out of 10 times, it is one, maybe two facts about the company, how long they've been around, how many communities they have. And then the rest is just a list of all of the requirements and knockout factors of what they're looking for. There's no story being told. So the story needs to be told not only in writing, but also in the interview process. And the, the reality is these organizations many times have amazing stories about their culture and their success that just are bad or unprepared to share it. So telling a story to a prospective employee, whether they're a caregiver or whether they're an executive director, can be that real difference maker. So what makes you a great company? What examples do you have to show that you care about your staff? Mm-hmm. What examples can you share about how you care about your staff and their quality of life so that they can balance the needs of the job with the needs of their family to avoid burnout often leads to departure and turnover? If I were to uh, chalk up any element that we get from those that we recruit as to why they would be open to looking at a new opportunity, burnout is the number one thing. And I think all that you describe not only affect the uh, employees, ultimately, mm-hmm. the residents, the, the overall occupancy, which affects the ROI. So I think That's it's right. very important to cultivate corporate staff and, and also the uh, staff at the residence because it, ultimately it's a home. It's mm-hmm. a home where these residents are going to stay many years to come and it might, might be their last home. So I think yeah. that's really important to have the right team to cultivate that kind of mindset. And that, and that's why I think it's very different than any other type of rental or home style uh, real estate related. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Now you're, you're exactly right. I mean, the, the, it does come down from the team down. Many times the, the regional teams that come involved, the specialists that come in, they're all part of that story that they're not only sharing, but also the stories that the residents are hearing. Yeah. You know, it's so important. You mentioned storytelling because I think in order to determine if there's a good fit, the community leaders need to have their own mission, their own values. But I think, but more specifically, does it include or the pro- prospects align with that mission, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a matter of style. It's a matter of values because not all the time is it going to be a good fit. And I think it's yeah. better that you find that out from the, the get-go. But that storytelling is huge. I personally don't believe that it's something that you would go to Indeed or ZipRecruiter to apply which, of course, is very necessary, but there's a bigger scope that you later will have to determine if you are in alignment with the company's vision and culture. 
So outside of your work, I know that you're an avid endurance athlete and you have this idea to run 24 hours. And that's been getting a lot of press. You've even got interviewed by NBC Morning Show. So how did you come up with this idea and what are your goals for it? Sure. So the reason I came up with uh, this 24-hour run idea really goes back to my running story. And not going through all the details, I started running in 2012 because I thought that I was very heavy, overweight, slightly obese. And of course, my family and friends told me that wasn't the case, but I felt that. So um, beyond trying to eat healthier and a variety of workout things, I had running to the mix. And I went for my first run of a mile and I didn't die. So I figured if I did die once, I could keep on doing it. Eventually, I got to the point that I went down to this lake. Um, that was a little more than three miles, and I wanted to see how far I can go. I was able to go all the way around. So that was the real validation point to me that I could actually run, and I didn't hate it. I turned into actually liking it. Mm. At that point, when I started doing this on a regular basis, my wife came to me with a brochure. And she said, if you're going to run, why not run for a cause? And that brochure was to this event from the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation for their running endurance group called Team Challenge, where I would run and train to run a half marathon in Las Vegas and raise money for the cause of Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. So I figured it's a double win. I get to be healthier, I get to learn to run long distances, and I get to do it and raise money for an incredible cause that's near and dear to my heart because my wife has Crohn's disease. I figured it was a one and done. I figured I'd run that one half marathon and that would be it. I'll stick to my one to three miles. It's turned into a little more than that. To date, I think I've run 61 half marathons, seven marathons, migrated into the triathlon world where I've done a variety of smaller distances, including four 70.3 um, Ironman distance events. So it's really Congratulations. become- my, Thank you. <laughs> it, it's part of my passion. It is who I am. Every single one of my friends knows it is who I am. Yeah. And I've been doing this now going on eight years. Running to a marathon is an incredible thing. But if I wanted to do something to satisfy my greater being, which is my ability to give back, I thought I had to do something a little bit bigger. So I had an idea newly in my head after listening to a variety of podcasts. And as you can imagine, when you run, I'm able to listen to a lot of podcasts. So over the course of time, I'm like, what can I do? And this 24-hour element kept sticking in my head. I've never run at that time more than 27 miles on. Since I've been training, I've not run more than 31 miles for six hours. But I thought that if I could push my body and endure, or more appropriately put, suffer for 24 hours, I could cut through some of the clutter and I could make an impact on three passion charities of mine. Crohn's and Colitis Foundation is, is, of course, one. Shriners Hospital for Children. And the one that uh, matters greatly to your audience is dementia care, specifically the quality of life within dementia care. Mm -hmm. So in two weeks, I'm going to be pushing my body more than Mm -hmm. I ever have. I'm going to do it at that very lake that I went out for that first three-mile run. And I'm going to go for 24 hours because those that are affected by dementia, by Crohn's or colitis, the children who have been treated by Schreiner's Hospital, They deal with those ailments and those issues 24-7. I can't do this seven days a week, but I can do it for 24 hours. Bless you. Thank you so much. Wow, that's that's an amazing mission. So how are you preparing? Are you training? What are you doing? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's, this event was actually supposed to happen back in May, but with uh, COVID and everything happening there and the parks closing and obviously the, the critical nature of social distancing, I wasn't able to do the event then. And many times people will just go, oh, oh, can't do it. But I just refuse to let that be the case. So I've continued my training until the timing was right, that the park was open and we could properly do this event. Uh, because it's going to take not just me, it's going to take a, a support crew. My wife is the, the champion of my support crew, along with some friends and family that are going to help make sure that I'm safe when I'm doing this and that we're able to continue to raise awareness while I'm in there. But I train every single day. I've ran every single day since March, putting in anywhere from 200 to 250 miles a month, between 50 and 70 miles a week to prepare myself to ensure that I'm ready for this event and I'm not putting myself in harm. Wow. Awesome. Not to mention during this time that you are very committed and consistent and not only keeping your mind and your body physically strong during this uncertain time, what, what a mission, what, what a mission to set to help all these folks that are whether it's dementia or any of the other the groups that you're working on. Mm-hmm. So it's very admirable. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. If folks want to reach out to you, how do they do that? Uh, so a, a, a couple of ways. The easiest way, I, I created a, a shortened URL to go to the, the fundraising page that we put together. And it's simply bit.ly, so B-I-T dot L-Y slash run 24. That'll bring okay. them to the page. If they want to follow the journey, on Facebook, I have a page called the 24-Hour Run for Hope, and that will that's going to be where we are going to be putting a lot of uh, live information out on uh, the day of. I'm going to be starting at 8 a.m. in the morning, and I'm going to finish at 8 a.m. the next day, running all the way through the night. Wow. And what day? Uh, uh, October, 7th, uh, October 17th will be the day, so uh, 12 days from now. Okay, awesome. I'll make sure that I will include that in the show notes and also any links that we include for this conversation. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Now, is there anything else that you would like to share with us? One of the things that I'd love to put out there is our mind has a choice. We have a choice to be positive or negative. We have a choice to accept positivity or accept negativity. At the end of the day, we're always being sold. Either you're being sold or or you're selling. So uh, the message I would love to put out is just be positive. Fill your mind with positivity. I am uh, big on specifically LinkedIn of trying to impart as much positivity and inspiration as I possibly can because there's so much negativity that's out there. There's so much divisiveness that's out there Mm -hmm. that I would rather be uh, putting out this positive message to maybe put a little bit of that mindset into somebody else's thoughts. I recently read a book by Simon Sinek, The Infinite Game. And he talks about the message that we talked about earlier of, of compassion. One of the derivatives of compassion is passion. And I, I'd love to tell you this quote. It's, what is good, or pardon me, what good is it having a belly if there's no fire in it? Mm. Wake up, drink your passion, light a match and get to work. Mm. That positivity is everything. Thank you. I'm going to take that advice. Very much needed during this time. Thank you so much. My pleasure. The other thing I'd say is get out there. Get outside. Just a walk. It's it's amazing. Getting outside will do amazing things for your body, mind, and spirit. I believe that. Oh, I walk four to five miles um, around the neighborhood since COVID. And not only it helps you physically for me, it helps my mind. 
Absolutely. I need that. I, I just need that because I think when we're still for too long and we do need time to reflect, it's been a bit too long. Yeah. So I try to get that fresh air and reset this, just physically push yourself, but it turns out you're also mentally pushing yourself. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm an avid. Uh, That's great. Well, and avid. you have the ability. Mm-hmm. You have the ability to whether it's it's a self-reflection or whether it's a chance to listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. I did a 10-mile uh, run on Sunday. My entire 10-mile run was supported by an interesting podcaster by the name of Han Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I love going back to some of the old episodes because I hear really cool things that I heard once before, but I could pick back up on them. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that we connected and that you're able to share your message and your passion in your run. <laughs> and I'll make sure to include all the necessary links for folks that want to reach out. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Boomer Living Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, boomerliving.tv, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and other platforms. This way, you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, we would really appreciate a rating in iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us tremendously. Be sure to tune in weekly for our next episode. And remember, growing old is the purest and the most positive experience of human existence.